chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4. It's good to see you this morning. Would you stand with me? As, I'll tell you what, let's do. I wanted to, I wanted to do something a little different. We're going to end, we're going to look at Colossians, but if you'll turn four books over, four books over to 2 Timothy. I want to read this one first. I just wrote this down, so I think we need to read this. Let's stand together. And we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, a very powerful and uh, familiar passage of Scripture. And then we'll move back over to Colossians. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto all good works. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for that that truth right there that all Scripture, every portion of Scripture, uh, Lord, so often it's easy to gloss over the closing statements of a letter. But Lord, you tell us all Scripture is given by inspiration. And so we, we can hang our hat on that. And Lord, Thank you for giving us your word, your direction. You've given us everything we need, and you've given us the truth. And we pray that this morning that you would speak to us, help us to know more about what you want us to do, more about what you want us to be. And we pray that things would be done this morning just exactly like you want them done, and that you would receive all the glory in Jesus' name for the glory of the Father. Amen. You may be seated. Now let's turn back over to Colossians. I wanted to begin with that because if you're like me, oftentimes you might just kind of gloss over those closing words where the Apostle Paul or, or maybe Peter or one of the ones in, uh, they're closing out their letter, maybe they're mentioning some names and, you know, uh, uh, closing out the letter. But those are the words of God. And so we can take heart to know that that was those words, these words we're reading over in chapter 4, are the inspired word. Now, I've entitled this message, Faithful, Faithful. And so we're going to look at the closing uh, verses here of, of chapter 4. And now, I, I know that there have been some of you that have taken the challenge to read Colossians as many times as possible. I hope you've made it through there a number of times. Uh, if you haven't yet, then go ahead and do that and help bring some of those things back to, that'll help bring some of those things back to your attention. You know, we've talked about the fact that this church was, that the church at Colossae was under spiritual attack and the Satan was attacking to undermine Jesus Christ. Uh, this was a church that we think was not... Now, I have something on my glasses, so you have to pardon me just a minute. I'm going to try to get it off there so I can see you. 
And, uh, but you know, this church was, we think, not founded by Paul. And so they, but they were, they were growing and yet they were under attack. And uh, so God was doing a work. Satan hates that. And so uh, Paul, they sought his help. Paul reminds them that Jesus is the creator. And so that's a powerful verse to memorize. Uh, that 116, 117 passage, he is the creator. So when we read back in Genesis that God created, uh, God said, let there be light, that's Jesus speaking. And so uh, Paul says he's the creator. By him all things were created. And so he reminds us in Colossians, and I know it's over in chapter 2, verse 10 is one of the places, but he reminds us that we are complete in him. He tells the Colossians, right now, you've been saved, you are complete in him. And so if you're in here this morning, and I think there's a number of people in here that are saved. If you're in here and you're saved, you are complete in him right now. If you were to die right now, you would. the Bible teaches you would go to be in the presence of the Lord. And so as a saved person, you are complete in him. Now, as long as you're living, you're going through a process. As long as you're living on this earth, you're going through a process called sanctification. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Now, last week, I'll tell you, that message last week, I feel like was directed right at me. And I've, I've told you that before, that when I prepare a message, I'm preaching to myself and so I would say that's true this morning as well. Uh, but last week uh, we looked at, Paul reminds us about our prayer life. He says, continue, be steadfast in your prayers. And uh, he reminds us that our prayers, that in our prayers we need to be thankful. And so uh, he reminds us about our time. He says, redeeming the time. And so I, I hope that this week, this past week, you redeem the time. One of the ways, one of the key ways is, uh, this is a good thing to remember, that choosing God's way is redeeming the time. Choosing the wrong way, because it's only God's way and the wrong way, choosing the wrong way is wasting time. Paul says redeeming the time, and uh, then uh, he talks to us about our speech. Uh, he reminds us that our speech needs to be seasoned with salt. Uh, now, uh, he doesn't mean we take the salt shaker. He, he says seasoned with salt always. Do you remember what it was? Always with what? It starts with a G. Always with grace. Always with grace. And so, uh, uh, you know, grace is, is uh, giving someone what they don't deserve. And so, you know, one of the questions that uh, someone asked me was, well, what about with an employee? Maybe you've got an employee that's not doing the right thing. Well, always remember that there are standards that have to be held up to. And, you know, you think of Jesus and how he, sp how he speaks to us. Uh, but there are standards that, that have to be upheld. But it's the way we communicate. He's specifically referring to our speech. How do we communicate that to Whoever we're dealing with, whether it's an employee or, or whatever, it needs to be with grace. It needs to be with grace. And so those are things that we looked at last week. Today we're going to look at uh, 
three concluding thoughts, and I'll tell you, from this last section, there are more than three. You know, you could look at every one of these guys that he mentions. He mentions numerous people in here, and you could look at every one of them. We'll look at just uh, a few of these people, but uh, I came up with three. I feel like God wants us to look at three uh, three things. First, we're going to look at uh, faithfulness with respect to us. In other words, God wants us to be faithful. And then we're going to look at faithfulness with respect to God. God is always faithful. So we're going to look at those two things, and then we're going to close out looking at uh, the fact that God hears our prayers. I am so thankful for that. He hears our prayers. But here's what I want you to note. We're going to see something very, very special when we get to that, when we start talking about uh, God hears our prayers. We're going to look at something very, very special. And uh, it just jumped out at me as I was studying for this. And so you've probably always known it. And so I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, one of the sim- I'm, I'm probably the most simple one in here, and I, I mean that. And so, but this, uh, you know, this very, very special thing jumped out at me, and I thought, wow, uh, I had no idea. So we'll look at that here in just a bit. So be sure and stay tuned for that. So first, let's look at the first thing this morning. As far as faithfulness with respect to us, look at chapter 4, verse 7. He mentions a guy there by the name of Tychicus. He says, all my state, you know, what I have... Tychicus, uh, shall Tychicus declare unto you, and it talks about Tychicus here, it says, he is a beloved brother and a faithful minister. Now that makes me kind of feel like they might not have known Tychicus, but it mentions, the. it says, he says, Tychicus is faithful. Now look on down at verse 9. He mentions another man by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus, Onesimus, he says, he is a faithful and beloved brother. Now, I will tell you this. They knew Onesimus. They knew that man. Okay? Let's, let's jump back to Tychicus. Tychicus, apparently they didn't know who he was, but he would carry the letter. He's the one that was carrying the letter that Paul had written that Paul had, had uh, uh, God had told Paul what to write, and uh, perhaps Paul was, was uh, pinning a portion of it. He says that there at the end, but he was telling them what to write. And so Tychicus is going to deliver this, this letter, and, uh, you know, Epaphras, apparently Epaphras did not go back with, with them at this time. He stayed there with Paul. And so we'll talk about Epaphras here in just just shortly. But remember, Epaphras is is the one that had gone to Paul, from Colossae had gone to Paul and said, we need help. But apparently he doesn't come back with them, but come back with Tychicus. So it's going to be Tychicus that's coming back along with Onesimus. Uh, But uh, you might write this down, that this reference to... um, to Tychicus, where he says, All my state, 
shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Those same, almost word for word, those same uh, words are used over in Ephesians. And so he evidently was the bearer of the Ephesian letter as well. So he's going to be the bearer of this of this letter. Now Onesimus, you see him in verse 9, we just talked about him. He was a slave uh, owned by a believer at Colossae. And you can read more about that in the, Paul's letter uh, called that we call Philemon. Okay? So Onesimus, he was a slave. He was owned by a believer in Colossae, but he ran away. He's a runaway slave. But when he ran away, you know what happened? He came in contact with Paul. Wow. He came in contact with Paul, and it changed his life. And so uh, he became a Christian, and uh, he was dedicated to helping Paul. And so Onesimus, uh, he he was something else. You can read about that in Philemon. Now, Paul could have written this about Onesimus, the escaped slave who I'm sending back to his master. That's what he could have written, but he didn't do that. Notice what he says. He is a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. He tells him he's one of you. And uh, so Paul tells the Colossians, he says that these two guys they shall make known unto you all the things which are done here. Now, faithful. So those two guys, he says they are faithful. I looked up the word faithful in the original language, and it means this. It means one who is convinced that Jesus has been raised from the dead. One who has become convinced that Jesus is the Messiah and the author of salvation. It means one that can be relied upon. A faithful person. That's what these two guys were. They are faithful. And so may that describe you and I. Let's let's turn back to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 2. Paul is writing this letter. He says, to the saints and faithful brethren. See, he's writing to those that are faithful. And so there at the end, he tells tells him, look, these two guys right here, they are faithful. And so uh, you could look on over in in chapter 2, verse 5. He tells them there to be faithful. Continue to be steadfast. In other words, be steadfast in your faith in Christ. So he's reminding them to be faithful. Reminding them to be faithful. If you look on over in chapter 3, verse 10, he tells them to put on the new man. That's t- he's telling them, look, be faithful. Be faithful. And, uh, and you look down at verse 17 of chapter 3. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. And he says that same thing back in 
or on over in verse 23. He, com- he commends them of their faithfulness and he reminds them, be faithful. And so may that describe you and I. Now, let's talk just a moment about sanctification. I, I mentioned that just a moment ago. And, uh, you know, we are created in the image of God. That's what the Bible says in Genesis. And so we're created in the image of God. And then as we progress through life, the Lord helps us become, he, he takes us through experiences. Some of them are hard experiences. He takes us through situations, allows, allows us to come in contact with people and, and, uh, and teaches us maybe through those people. Sometimes those are difficult situations, but he, he, uh, he hammers on us a little bit and helps us to become more and more like Jesus. And I, you know, I'm talking to people that have been through the fire in here. There are people in this room that have, have been through struggles, no doubt. But the goal is to come out on the other side of those struggles more like Jesus. So that's what sanctification is all about. And that's what Paul has taught them all back in chapter 3 where he says, look, put on the new man. In other words, this is something we have to do. We have have to determine we're going to follow him to become more and more and more like Jesus. He has created us. He's given us a, a mind. He's given us emotions. He's given us will. And so he's created us to become like him. Well, here's the thing. He is faithful. And so as, as we're being uh, sanctified, as we're being as the process of sanctification, that's one of the goals, to become more and more and more like Jesus. He is faithful. And so that needs to be in us. Craig, that needs to, you need to be faithful. I'm telling you, this message was directed at me. Be faithful in everything. Put on the new man. Uh, you know, I was thinking about people that are, are faithful, people that I know. And, uh, you know, one of my most favorite Bible characters is Timothy. And, uh, you know, oftentimes when you think of Timothy, excuse me, you might think of someone that's kind of weak, you know, and and that. But I'm going to tell you, Timothy is is such an encouragement to Paul. He was right there with Paul. And, you know, Paul left him in some pretty hard, pretty difficult situations. He left Timothy at Corinth. That is hard. And so Timothy was very, very faithful. You know, uh, you know, thinking of one of our leaders, our former leaders. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, uh, our founding, uh, one of our founding fathers, George Washington. You know, if you do, uh, if you do a, a, a diligent search through some of those original documents, some of those early letters. Here's what you find, and I've done a little, I've done that diligent search. You'll find that that man was a faithful man. He prayed. They, there's even some portraits of him praying, and you know, you'll have a guy looking at him. There was a story of uh, that was told that that one of the guys that was in one of those portraits, you'll see a face 
And uh, the guy was just walking through the woods, and he walked up on George Washington praying. Now, I don't know if that's a true story or not. But he walked up on and heard George Washington praying. And he said, the, uh, I think that, that guy was loyal to the king or something like that. And he said, you know, the Americans are going to win. That guy, the general, I heard him pray. He's seeking the Lord. But he was a faithful man. You know, as, as the revisionists seek to rewrite history, uh, you know, Satan attacks and he tries to undermine faithfulness. He tries to undermine faithfulness. Uh, young person, you know, we have some young people in here. God wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be faithful. You're going through maybe some difficult times right now. God wants you to be faithful. He's put some people in your path. Hey, he didn't make any mistakes. He knows who your parents are. And you need to thank God for those parents. He has put those people. He knows who your teachers are. He's put people in your path. And what he wants is for you to be faithful. That's a big thing. You know, it's, it's easy not to be faithful. Here's how, you, here's, how the, here's, here's how to be faithful. It's to choose God's way. That's being faithful. Do what God says. And when you do that, it's tough sometimes. Now, I'm not just talking to young people now. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough to choose the Lord's way. And I'll put it to you. My, my daughter has, has, I think, heard me say this. Uh, I know many of my children have. You know, anybody can make an F, right? That's easy. But the consequences are disastrous. It's difficult to make an A. It's usually difficult to do the right thing. Usually, especially when everybody else is doing the wrong thing. But the, the benefits, the results of doing the right thing are huge. They're huge. So may we be faithful. One of the key conclusions that we need to learn from our study of Colossians, especially as we get into this last section here, is that God wants us. We've been created in His image. He wants us to be faithful to him. How do we do that? We follow his way. When we when we're uh uh when we're when we learn something new about him, when we learn one of his characteristics, that's what we 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 go that direction. See, he's faithful. He's faithful. And so now let's look at the next one. Let's look at faithfulness with respect to God. God wants us always to be faithful. And he always is faithful, always. Now, here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the peace of God. Remember that? Back in chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. You don't have to turn there. Let me read it to you. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it rule in your hearts. I want that peace. Philippians says, it's a peace that the world can't understand. It's, be, it's beyond all comprehension. It is a peace, and it's from God. And here in Colossians, Paul says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. In other words, God wants us to have that peace. He wants us to have it. But there's only one way to get it. 
There's only one way. It comes from God. And in the context of what he was talking about in chapter 3, we have to be going his way. We have to put on the new man. In other words, not be walking in sin. That's the, that's the context of chapter 3, is the peace of God. It's from him, and he wants us to have it, but we have to be going his way to get it. If we're, if we're saved and we're living in sin, we're not going to have the peace of God. That's the implication from that passage. Now, look back up. I want to remind you of this. Let's look, let's look at the peace of God in chapter uh, 4, verse 2, in respect to Paul, or with respect to Paul. He says in verse, or chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 2, he says, continue in prayer. And watch in the same with thanksgiving. He says, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. So here's this man that's in prison, and instead of praying like I would probably pray, God, please get me out of here, he's praying he asked these people, pray that God would open a door so that I can tell others about Jesus. What a peace. He had perfect peace, and he was in a very difficult, very difficult situation. Look, God wants us to have that peace. There's only one way to get it. It comes from God, and we have to be going his direction. God will not leave us. He is always faithful. That's what Hebrews says. He will never leave us. He is faithful. He always keeps his word. When we see those characteristics, he's faithful. He always keeps his word. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to follow. That's his way. Let me read something to you. I want to read uh, Psalm 36, 5 and 6 to you. You can write that down. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want, but I, I'm, I'm going to read it to you. Here's what that psalm says, Psalm 36, 5 and 6, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. In other words, your mercy, O Lord, is high. It is, it is so vast. It says, And thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. He is merciful. He is faithful. It is vast. That's how we need to be. Mercy is is not giving someone what they deserve. See, it's kind of the opposite of grace that we talked about a while ago. That grace is giving someone what they don't deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, is not giving someone what they do deserve. They, maybe they deserve for you to, uh, for you and I to just uh, let them have it. Well, mercy is not not giving that to them. So he says over in Psalm, uh, uh, the Lord tells us over in. Uh, in Psalm 36, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Thy faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. It's, it's unmovable. It's unshakable. He is righteous. He is merciful. And He is faithful. He always, he's always faithful. Always. It's vast. And so, number one this morning, God wants you and I to be faithful. 
all the time. All the time. That's what he's trying. He's trying to mold us into that image of always being faithful. God, second thing, God is always faithful. Always. There's never a time where he's not faithful. He will always keep his word. We can depend on him. We can depend on it when when he gives us promises. We can can bank on that. We can trust his word. We can trust his word. When we get into Revelation, we can trust his word. When we go to Genesis, we can trust his word. And all that in between, we can trust his word. God is always faithful. Let's look at the last thing. God hears our prayers. Now look at verse 10. God hears our prayers. Verse 10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. Now, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. This was this guy was he's mentioned over in Acts 20. He was from, he was a Macedonian. He was from uh, Thessalonica, I believe. But he was a Macedonian. That's, uh, that's where Philippi is and all that. As a matter of fact, that's where Alexander the Great was from. So Aristarchus, now listen to this. He was Paul's travel companion. And he was with Paul when the Ephesian mob seized Paul. And that's over in Acts 19. So he was with Paul when that Ephesian mob seized Paul. As a matter of fact, he also traveled with Paul when he set sail for Rome under Roman imprisonment. That's also in Acts there toward the end. Acts 28, 27, somewhere like that. So here, Paul calls him my fellow prisoner. It seems like that Aristarchus had a habit of being with Paul during hard times, during difficult times. You know, I would like to meet, we'll get to one of these days, I'd like to meet Aristarchus. It seems like he had a habit of being with Paul when the going got tough. You know somebody like that? You have a friend like that? Husbands and wives like that? No matter what, I'm with you. That's, That's Aristarchus. I really appreciate that guy, Aristarchus. Let's look at, uh, let's go on down to verse 12. He mentions, uh, matter of fact, you can look there. Let's, let's go ahead and read verse 10. He says, In Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received the uh, commandments, uh, if he come unto you, receive him. Now, that's very important there. I didn't have this in my notes, but, as a matter of fact, I think this is the, the portion of Scripture. I don't think there's another portion of Scripture besides verse 10 here that we begin to understand. We understand, oh, uh, we put together that John Mark is Barnabas's nephew. It comes from that verse right there. That's how we know that. So, and I think to me, once again, this isn't in my notes, but it's important to look at. To me, you know, he'd had a falling out with them back in Acts, and all that's healed. I mean, you see 
the the forgiveness in Paul. You see the mercy and all that. Uh, so you see those healed relationships right there uh, in in verse ten. But look down at verse twelve. He mentions Epaphras. Oh, I love Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you, he says, a servant of Christ. A servant of Christ. He says, Epaphras salutes you. Now look what he says about Epaphras. Always laboring. Now always laboring. Fervently. For you in prayer. You might underline that or just note that. That's a powerful, powerful thing. He says he's always laboring fervently for you in prayers. That's that's phenomenal. That hit me. You know, there's a lot of people, we talked about this at one point, there's a lot of people that pray for somebody for a little while. Maybe they'll pray for a week or so. But I'm talking about praying for somebody for a long time. And it says here, he says, this, this man, he says, he prays, he labors fervently. Now, let's go back over to chapter 1, and we'll, uh, let's, let's look down and see where Epaphras comes in. Chapter 1, Paul tells them in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, we think, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard, and he mentions some things here, we heard of your faith, and we heard of your love. See, these people were faithful, and they had a love for, for the saints. And he tells them, he says, we heard of this, down in verse 7, from Epaphras. See, Epaphras was the one, he was the leader, one of the leaders of the church that figured out that Paul was over in prison and he made his way. That was no easy trek. He made his way to Paul. And he said, Paul, we're in trouble. There are faithful Christians in Colossae. The church is full of faithful Christians and we're under attack. Satan is coming at us. We need help. We need to know what to do. And so Epaphras was the one that, uh, that Paul says, as a matter of fact, Paul says, since the day I heard of that, I heard of your love, he says, I cease not to pray for you. And he says down in verse 9 or 10, he says, here's what I pray. I pray that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will. Do you see that there? Chapter 1, verse 9 or 10, that he would fill you with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I told you when we first started Colossians, when I, when I read, I did a study on Colossians, and when I read Paul's prayer there, I said, man, that's what I need to be praying. And I, I prayed that for my children, my grandchildren. I've got 11 of them. For my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, those people aren't alive yet, my great-great-great-grandchildren, and on and on. And every person that marries any of them, 
Lord, I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will. Help them to know what you want them to do. And then, Lord, help them to do it in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I begin to pray for my, my family, my wife, and my children, and all my descendants, and every person that's going to marry any of them. Lord, may they follow you. May they walk worthy of you. That's what he prays. May they walk worthy of you. Epaphras labored. He was a prayer warrior. His name means his, his name means lovely. I thought that was interesting. But he was he was a tremendous prayer warrior. I, I looked up the words, that phrase, laboring fervently. Uh, what was it over in James? When we came up through James chapter 5, he mentions the effectual prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And here, Epaphras is praying, and he's praying fervently. Here's what laboring fervently means. It means to contend like you're in a, uh, a struggle with difficulties and dangers. It's a struggle. That's what laboring fervently means. It means to endeavor with strenuous zeal. In other words, it's not going to be easy. That's what it means when, when uh, Epaphras is fervent, laboring fervently in prayer. It means it is a struggle for him. He is praying, probably sweating. He is on his knees, laboring in it. He may be laying down flat, laboring in prayer, asking God to bless these people Lead them, Lord. He is laboring. It means to strive. So this laboring fervently can't be taken lightly. It's a big deal. He's more than likely Epaphras was laboring for long periods of time in prayer. Now look what he prays. Oh, I love this part. Here, let's, let's read it again. Epaphras, verse 12 who is one of you, a servant of Christ, he saluteth you, always laboring, boy, that word always is something, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. And here's what he's praying, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now that right there is a prayer to pray for anybody. Look at that. That ye might stand, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You know when I saw that? I just saw that in the last little while. I mean, I've, I normally just gloss over these last sections. And as I was prepare, I as I was preparing for this sermon, I saw that it jumped out at me. I never it never really jumped out at me before. That right there is that is a very powerful thing to pray for anybody. You have someone that's going through a struggle right now. Maybe we need to pray that for ourselves. He says, here's what this guy's praying for you, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You may do all the will of God. I think I'm so thankful for Epaphras. Now you remember at the first, I told you, I said, you know. We're going to see something very, very uh, 
I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I'm telling you, this, this hit me like a ton of bricks to see the power of God. You know, we, I could hear that song on, uh, during the fellowship. It says something about the power of God. He is powerful. Now, if you can see, you put this together, Epaphras, laboring fervently on his knees, maybe, maybe flat on his face. He is praying for these people. God breathed. Remember that first, the first section we read over in 2 Timothy? All Scripture, Colossians chapter 4, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspired, inspiration means he breathed it. He didn't breathe the men. He breathed the words. So Epaphras is is praying. He is laboring fervently. And do you you see that? that, that, Did it hit you? God breathed the words. God answered his prayer in a very powerful way. We're still reading it today. So Epaphras labored fervently and God breathed the words to Paul. And Tychicus and Onesimus, they carry the word. See, what they're carrying is the very word of God. I don't know if they had any idea they were carrying the very word of God. Epaphras Epaphras prayed, God breathed the words. He answered his prayer. And Tychicus and Onesimus brought the the Word of God, delivered the Word of God to those Colossians. And we we learned this early on when we started Colossians. That happened right before the disastrous earthquake. God knew that earthquake was coming. It It wiped many of them out. Perhaps many of those, and I'm sure of it, many of those that... Uh, read that letter for the first time. Wiped them out. God knew the earthquake was coming. I'm so thankful for Epaphras' prayer. That was powerful. God heard it. And he hears your prayers and my prayers. All that we may be faithful. God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be so faithful to him. He is faithful always and he hears our prayers you know i was challenged as i went through here to pray differently i may have to do some laboring in prayer i may have to do some laboring in prayer let's skip on down he mentions some other men you can see down uh he mentions Luke down about verse 14. Luke says a lot of, there's a lot of heavy hitters there with him. Luke is there. He says the beloved physician. He wrote the God inspired the word through him or to him. Uh, the book of Acts, you know, he gave him the history book of the New Testament, Acts. And, of course, the gospel of Luke. And then I want you to skip on down to Archippus, verse 17. Look what it says. And say to Archippus, 
take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. They were to encourage Archippus. See, Archippus, from what we think, was probably the pastor of, of the church, one of the leaders. And Paul is telling them to encourage him take he, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Encourage them. Now, you know, you have been such an encouragement to me. Did you know that? You've been such an encouragement to me. There's going to be a new pastor one of these days. I don't know. It may be short. It may be a, uh, maybe a, a ways on down the road. Who knows? But God knows. He knows. But, you know, I thought of this Archippus guy. Paul, God, God tells him through Paul to encourage him. Oh, and I, you've been such an encouragement to me. I pray that when the next man steps in his pulpit that you would be an encouragement to him. You know, I kind of feed off that. People feed off that. You know, when somebody comes along and says, well, maybe they drop you a note or they, they give you a good word, that's an encouragement. So I want to remind you of that. I want to mention the pastoral search committee. Uh, we need to pray for those guys. I'm thankful for John and the others that are on there. Uh, you know, we God knows. He knows who the next pastor is, right? He knows just like he knew what was going on there back in Colossae. He knows. He already knows. And so this can be such a beautiful time in between pastors and seeing, watching God do a powerful work and for, for us to be that encouragement to that next guy, to the next pastor. Now, you know what? I believe the word is that God wants us to labor fervently. We have something to pray for. God, send us your man in your time. Because we could be deceived. It's easy as humans to be deceived. It is, it is easy. I've been deceived before. But to fervently pray as Epaphras did. God, we want your, your man. God, we want a holy man. A man that, that knows the word that will take us to the Word. That's what we want. God wants us to be faithful. He is always faithful. And He hears our prayers. He knows our prayers. And just like He answered Epaphras' prayer, and we can see He answered it. When you read the book of Colossians, you can see that's, that's, a, that's a direct result of Epaphras praying. God pray, Epaphras prayed, God breathed to Caiaphas and Onesimus delivered. He's going to answer our prayers if we'll be faithful to him, if we'll be faithful. Let's stand together. We're going to have a time of invitation. And maybe you're in here this morning and, 
and uh, you're lost, you've never received Jesus as your Savior, please don't leave here without receiving Him. You know, there's no doubt at that earthquake, the earthquake that hit Colossae, there's no doubt there were some lost people there. There were some people that were trying to go the direction of Satan. And there's no doubt that some of them have been in hell a long time. If you're lost, don't leave here this morning without receiving Jesus as your Savior. You can do that right now. You can do it right where you are. You can walk this aisle, and I'll show you how to receive Jesus. I did that when I was 12. If you're in here and you're a Christian, but you've not been faithful, oh, would you commit right now to being faithful, to being faithful to choosing God's way every time? And let's remember that God hears our prayers. Lord, would you have your perfect way in this time of invitation? Lord, would you touch the hearts that need to be touched? That's every one of us. Lord, would you tug on those really hard that are lost? Would you pull them to you, Lord? In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.